0: There in Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's word. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go, to let us build us a city, and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city, and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have one language, and this because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was a hundred years old and begot Ar- Arfaxod two years after the flood, and Shem lived for five hundred Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad. 500 years and begat sons and daughters. And Arfaxed lived 530 years and begat Salak. And Salak lived 30 years and begat Iber. And Selah lived after he begat Ber, Iber, 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Deber lived 430 years and begat Peleg. And Iber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years, and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years, and begat Ra'u. And Peleg lived after he begat Ra'u 209 years, and begat sons and daughters. And Ra'u lived 232 years, and begat Sarug. And Raú lived after he begat Saru 207 years and begat sons and daughters. And Sarug lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Sarug lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 920 years and begat Teru. 119 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And Teru lived 70 years and begat Abram, Naor, and Haran. These are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in the year of the Chaldees. And Abram and Naor took to themselves wives. The names of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the daughter of the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. And Sarai was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's sons, and Sarai his daughter in law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. The days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, as we come to chapter 11 as we read through there and sometimes as we feel we stumble through there with all of those various names, Hebrew names, we find here a record of what took place after the flood. Now last time we saw in chapter 10 a record or a table of the nations that came out of the flood or after the flood. Now, oftentimes it's difficult to understand what is taking place. These are perhaps the two most difficult passages in the book of Genesis. But I think it's important to see both chapter 10 and chapter 11 in its context. There is some discrepancy among scholars as to the order of things. It doesn't necessarily follow a chronological order, as you might suspect, with Hebrew, And yet, chapter 10 just simply gives us a record of all of those nations that came out of the ark. Now, after the time of them being in the ark, how many people were in the ark? Do you remember? Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives. So they came, and now from them we see all the nations... Listed there in chapter ten. Now the difficulty comes when you come to verse eleven, which is a pro- eleven verse one, which is a prologue to chapter eleven. It says they were the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now there are those, and um, just recently, in reading um, some controversy over some of these issues regarding Christian nationalism, there are those who take the position that there were multiple nations before, after the creation, and as these nations came together, they developed their own cultures, they developed their own languages, they developed their own races of people. And that's just certainly not the case, because when, when God created the heavens and the earth... And we see that recorded there in Genesis 1 and 2. The Lord created man in his image. Man began to uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And there was no division. No division anywhere upon the earth. But a hundred years after the flood, during the time of Peleg, we see there in chapter 10 and verse 25, That, um, sure I have my reference here. Verse 25: Unto Eber were born two sons, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Jokhan. Now, people see a discrepancy here between chapter 10 and chapter 11, because in chapter 10 it shows that during Peleg's days, the earth was what? Divided. You come to verse 1 and it says the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. What you find here is chapter 10 oftentimes uh, is intended to be just a list of those peoples, those families, those nations, a hundred years after the flood. So in a hundred years, the whole earth is populated with all of these nations or families. But they were one. They were not divided. And so when you come to chapter 11, chapter 11 just explains what took place in that time when the whole earth was of one language. And so as we see there in chapter 10, it's an explanation of that humanity After the flood. And so when you look at verse 1. It says the whole earth. The entirety of the earth was of one language. of one speech. Literally the Hebrew word there means. That they were of one lip. One tongue. You would not have people speaking to one another. Different words or different things coming from their lips. They spoke the same language. Even the language that was spoken at the time. Of Adam. But there in the narrative, as we come to chapter 11, we find that in that time when the nation was, was not divided, when it was one language and one speech, we come to verses 1 through 11, and we see that God shows his intervention among the human families by scattering them throughout the earth and bringing division among them. By creating different languages. And so chapter 11 is God's response to human pride. We see that in verses 2 through 4. that pride leads to rebellion. The humanity had migrated eastward. Verse 2 tells us, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And so as they were making their migration, as God scattered them, they were literally making their journey. They were migrating to what would be known as ancient Babylon, which today would be southern Iraq. And so that's where they settled in verse 2. And as they settled there, the idea of their journeying from the east entails that as nomadic people, they would literally take their tents and move. Can you imagine every time you move, you pick up your tent and you go away? Sometimes I feel like that when we move. It's like taking a tent and everything you've got and you're moving again. But these people journeyed by breaking up their camps and moving. But as they migrated throughout the earth, We find there in verse 3, they said one to another, Go let us make brick and burn it thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. So the people resolved to make bricks and build a city. They desired to build a tower so that they could preserve their name. Now remember God had blessed Noah and his sons after the flood and told them what? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Now, a hundred years later, they fail to do what God commanded them to do. That creation mandate in Genesis chapter 2, that mandate that we see again, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so as they multiplied and filled the earth, they're spreading out, as we see recorded there in chapter 10. But as they spread out, they have this notion that they want to build their own city, that they want to build a tower to reach heaven. And as they do so, we find there in verse 4, they said, Let us go and build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name, lest we what, be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And so the scene here is they want to come and build a city where they all live. They want to do the opposite of what God told them to do. Now, there's not a whole lot of detail here uh, as to what was going on with this tower. Some um, scholars have noted that this tower was a sense in which they wanted to build nation and then they wanted to worship God in their own way and I think that's that's true. They wanted to depart from what God told them to do but we don't have any detail. It just simply says they wanted to reach heaven with this tower that they built and they wanted to make a name for themselves lest they be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So what's what's happening here? They don't want to be spread abroad. They don't want to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They want to build their own city. As you go back to chapter 10, and you see um, Cush, who begat Nimrod, text in verse 8 of chapter 10 says, he became a mighty hunter in the earth. And it says, even as he became a mighty hunter before the Lord, he began a kingdom known as Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of where? Shinar. So chapter 10 is just giving us a detail of these nations. But one of those nations that arises is Nimrod building a city there in that valley where they had journeyed to, in the plain of Shinar. That is where they dwelt, and they thought, this will be our city. And yet God intervenes by coming down. He interferes with their plan. But notice there, in the text, in verses 5 through 9, the Lord came down to the city and the tower which they builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And so the Lord here is reminded of the fact that they will do what they imagine in their hearts to do. they will wander away from the Lord. And so He comes to confuse them. Notice here, verse six, or verse seven, "Go to let us go down." And there confound their language. Verse 4. Let us build us a city. Notice the contrast, the let us. The people want to build. And yet God comes to them. The Godhead is intended here in verse 7. The let us. It's the same word in Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image. In this divine council... God goes down and scatters the nations. Some suggest that the 70 names in chapter 10 are the languages that God created that day when he scattered the nations at Babel. The human race was scattered and God made literally a babel of their nation, of their la- or of their na- of their language. You can picture this, that all of a sudden the people start to babble, and no one understands what they're saying. And yet as we consider this, it says in verse 9, as the Lord scattered them upon the face of the earth, they left off to build the city. Therefore it is called Babel, because the Lord did confound their language and scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And so we find there that those nations are now scattered and they're not speaking the same language. And so this notion of God creating all these nations to fill the earth was really a judgment, was not intended for the people to be divided. And this is difficult for us in our day, but we want to remember as we read this text, that it was not written as a history lesson. It was not written to give us detail. It just simply is a reminder to us that God scattered the nations and that even in scattering the nations, he had a purpose in all of that so that out of the nations of the earth, he might create a people that would worship him with one mind and one heart. But then we come to the generations of shame there in verses 10 through 26 and this particular section traces the ancestry of Abram who is the son of Ter- Teru back to Shem who is the son of Noah. Now this genealogy shows a connection. You don't see it on the surface but it shows a connection between Abram and Noah. The table of 10 or the table of nations there in chapter 10, give us a general survey of the ancient nations. But this genealogy prepares us for the call of Abram in chapter 12. Now you'll notice in chapter 10 that the sons of Ham are listed there, or this, and then the sons of... The three sons of um, Noah are listed there. But here in chapter 11, it gives us more specific with with the intention of seeing that in chapter 11, Abram is connected to Adam. It's important in the argument of Noah or in the argument of Moses that Adam blessed God and the promised seed of the woman brings peace. But Abraham, or Abram is shown to be the heir of the promises, and he is blessed. And so in these generations of shame, we see that God is singling out that lineage of shem or shame to show that Abram, the father of all who have faith in Christ, might become realized. And so this is difficult for us to see, and um, time doesn't allow us to go into all the particulars, but we see the generations of Shem, literally the generations that lead to the promised Messiah. And then in verses 27 through 32, we see the generations of Teru. This marks the end of Shem's descendants and introduces for us the family of Abram. This is linked back to the promise of the seed who would redeem mankind. And we can oftentimes get bogged down in all of those names, but some of those names are particularly important. All of them are certainly re- important in redemptive history. But as it shows there, uh, Teru lived 70 years verse 26 and begat Abram, Nahor and Haran. And it is through that lineage of Teru that Abram is born and that he began to have children. And then it says, These are the generations of Teru, verse 27. And then as we see Abram and Nahor taking wives unto themselves, we see Sarah, Baron, verse 30. And then we see it come to an end and then it concludes by saying the days of Teru were 205 years and he died in Haran. As we see this, the generation that led to Abraham, we see the nations scattering. We see the nations by God's own design scattered with various nations that brought confusion and disunity. But the promise of the gospel is always the hope of godless nations. Genesis chapter 11 is seen in its reversal in Acts chapter 2. Because there in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost... It shows us that all the nations came together for Pentecost. These are Jewish nations. They had all come out. And the Lord brought his spirit upon the apostles. And it says there that they all spoke in foreign tongues. They did not speak in Babel. They did not speak in in the modern sense of what some call tongues, but they spoke the word of God in the languages of all the people that were gathered together. And verse 2 of Acts, or verse 7 of Acts chapter 2 says, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak? Galileans? How do we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And it lists those nations that came out. But here we see the wonderful working of God, that even though the nations are scattered and there's disunity, there's confusion, but in the gospel we see a reversal of Genesis chapter 11 that God calls all the nations of the earth to become what? One people, under one shepherd, with one way to salvation. In Genesis chapter 11, believe it or not, in this day and age when people are prone to think, well, all of the Old Testament was for the Jews. Well, here in chapter 11, we see that this is a segue into understanding that God would bring out of the earth A people, one people, that would worship him and find peace and find hope through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we consider this passage, I think we need to understand (laughs) that in the midst of all of this, we see brothers and sisters scattered throughout all the earth speaking uh, speaking various languages, and yet it's a reminder to us that God has called Jews and Gentiles, people from every tribe, tongue, to worship the Lord our God. And that scene there in the book of John's Revelation, he saw a number no man could number out of every tribe, tongue, language, and nation worshiping the Lord our God. And when Christ Jesus returns, Genesis chapter 11 will be totally reversed because there will be one people under one shepherd speaking one language. And yet we are reminded that the gospel comes out of these ancient tribes that the promised seed that was given to Adam, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. All of that is fulfilled as we see The lineages that lead up to Abram, who is the father of all the faithful. As we continue to worship our God this morning, let us stand and sing together our next selection. Psalm 68a.